The following program is sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content. Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, remember that anybody that would like to make a comment or make suggestions for guests or whatever whatever it is that you want to, please contact us on our email, which is radio news with an S, radio news at fromthemedian.org. Also, you can call me at any time. I give you all my cell phone numbers so that you can contact me if you need to. I will, however, remind you, as I always do, it may take me a long time to get back to you. So the best Best way to get hold of me and get responses to send me an email. Okay, so we've got a wonderful program ahead of us right now. A returning guest, Joe Dallas, is joining us. Joe is an author, a conference speaker, and an ordained pastoral counselor. He directs a biblical counseling ministry for those dealing with sexual and relationship problems. He holds a master's degree in Christian counseling and is a member of the American Association of Christian Counselors. He is the author of the daily blog, Joe Dallas Online, and Joe has authored six books on human human sexuality from the Christian perspective, including desires and conflict, the game plan, when homosexuality hits home, five steps to breaking free from porn, and speaking of homosexuality. We have Joe on the line right now with us because I want to talk with him about his latest book. But before we get there, welcome to the program, Joe. I know it's really early in the morning where you are. So welcome, welcome. Thank you for getting up early. Never too early to talk with you, Molly. Thank you for having me back. It's good hearing your voice. Absolutely. Joe, you have written very, very recently, you've written a a new book. And I want to talk a little bit about that book. As I said to you before you came on, the title of the book is Christians in a Cancel Culture. Just this past couple of days, somebody sent me a short little YouTube about various pastors around the country and in fact around the world talking about being canceled because they are Christians. They may not say the word Jesus Christ. It is unbelievable to see where we've got to. Tell us a little bit about this new world vision. What is it? I think what we're seeing, uh, Molly, is a manifestation of what's been there all along. The world has always been the world. And Jesus said, don't marvel if the world hates you, it hated me. But uh, particularly in Western society, the world and the church have had a relatively peaceful, friendly relationship. That is changing, is changing to grief. It's changed over the last few years in particular. There's now a more open expression of not only hostility towards, but intolerance for the Christian position. Um, Molly, it's not just that we, we name the name of Jesus. I don't think that's what's, well, that is somewhat getting us in trouble. But what I think, it's not so much what, what we believe, it's the um, practical applications of what we believe. We believe that God created all human beings. Therefore, we are against aborting a human being who God has created. We believe God intended marriage to be a union between the male and female, as spelled out in the creation account. 
Therefore, we believe homosexuality and transgender both fall short of God's will. It's those beliefs that are getting us in real hot water now. And even naming the name of Jesus, uh, I think what pastors are experiencing is the pushback on saying there is only one way to the Father. If you take kind of an Oprah Winfrey approach and say, well, Jesus is wonderful. He is one of many ways to God. Nobody will hassle you. But if you take Jesus at his word and say and say that he himself claims to be the way, the truth, the life, well, then that's what's going to get the pushback. So I think what we're seeing is a manifestation, uh, almost like a releasing, like God is basically saying to the world, I am going to release you to be what you are and do as you please if this is what you really want. And the church is called, I believe, prophetically to speak truth to that world while discipling our own people and not backing down, but also not giving into the temptation to be, um, you know, retaliatory towards them. We're not just trying to win an arm wrestling argument here. We're trying to speak truth to whoever whoever will hear it and withstand the push to intimidate us. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. You know, that, that, that's, that's a wonderful, you, you've just sort of, you've clarified something for me right there, Joe, because I keep going, I keep saying, okay, I'm not, I refuse to get depressed about what's going on, but I am concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am concerned, but I'm not going to allow that to, to dominate where I'm going. But what you just said about the fact that God has said, okay, I'm going to let you go. Just sort of like he's, like he did many times when he, you know, we want yes. a king, we want a king, we want a king. Let give us a king. Right. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And exactly. you're right. I think that's exactly what he's doing. He's saying, okay, go, go, go sort it out. See what, see where you are without me type of thing. All those of you that are with me get strong, you know, stand strong. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes. And I think that this is where we're called to again recognize, um, this is in the tradition of Christianity. This, this, we've been the exception, I think, in the American, what we call the American experiment, in that we've been a country founded largely on Judeo-Christian principles. And for that reason, we've enjoyed a peace with the culture that throughout the church history, many churches, mm-hmm. many uh, uh, groups have not experienced because from the get-go, they experienced the pushback. So we're basically... I think learning how not just to believe, but now how also to do godly battle. Absolutely. That is so profound. I, I just, I love it. I love it. And again, the book is Christians in a Cancel Culture. So we, we, please folks go to, you know, you can actually just go, just type in Joe Dallas, D-J-O-E-D-A-L-L-A-S dot com. And, um, Joe's website pops up and there you can order the book right there. It's, it, you can, you can get it right there or you can go to Amazon and get it off Amazon. In fact, I, you know, I, I have, I have the book. It's, it's excellent. It's absolutely excellent. I'm going to go back and read it again, Joe, because I think it's just a wonderful, I think you're hitting on the right things here. Um, One of the other things um, that that I think you also address, and that is why it is important that we know how to stand up against the ideologies and the ideas of today. How, How do we do that? We refuse to rave and we refuse to cave. Uh, standing up doesn't mean throwing a tantrum. You don't rave at people. And I think there's a, a temptation today to be flamboyant and aggressive because that will certainly get your followers. But that doesn't really score your points with the kingdom because people are not converted by being screamed at. So we have to, our own anger is huge because we're seeing a nation dying and it's, it's horrible to see. 
I'm I'm just uh, crushed over what's happening in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I'm going to wave the white flag and say, oh, it's all over. I mean, gosh, the, you know, this could turn around. But it's very depressing, as you were saying, to see the cultural decay of what, what has been such a great nation in so many ways. But on the other hand, we refuse to cave. That is to say, we take a cue from Peter and John when they said, look, hey, judge for yourselves whether or not it's right to please God or you. We cannot help but speak the things we've seen and heard. And I think what we have to remember is Christianity is largely about communication. It's not just about being nice, which is good. Let's be nice. But it is about communication. The early believers were committed in in the life or death sense to communicating the gospel at any cost and to communicating discipleship at any cost. They would not have allowed the culture to tell them what they may or may not say. They would have um, continued to say it no matter what. And I think what we're having to face is there will be a high cost attached to a clear communication of Christianity. So I think if there's any one point I wish we would really dwell on in 2023, it is that clarity is charity. It is not charitable to be vague about whether or not Jesus is the only way to the Father, how one can be born again, what is the truth about human sexuality and marriage and life within the womb. Uh, We're not being loving if we are allowing people to think that there is no clear truth on these matters. We may get along with people better if we're not clear, but we have to ask ourselves, is that what we're, we're really here for? Simply to get along. Uh, the, the, the idea that the early church had was, hey, people need to hear the truth because only by hearing the truth do they have the hope of entering the kingdom of heaven, being born again. And then within the church, people don't have a hope of being Um, committed followers of Christ bearing good fruit if they're not being discipled in the truth. So we really need a fresh passion for truth, Molly. Mm-hmm. I, I really think we mm-hmm. do. You know, uh, one uh, one of the uh, uh, maybe three years ago, one of the th- the theme of our bringing America back to life convention that we have every March was "Do not be nice," <laughs> and <laughs> and it was <laughs> we, we 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 sort of got it off. Uh, one of the bishops had said um, he had given a, a beautiful homily on this whole idea, and he'd written a paper on it. It's you know. Nice. If you go back and you do the whole, you know, the the, the entomology or whatever they call it, the the, the you know, where does the words come from? Um, mm-hmm. Nice is not a very good thing to be. It's not a good thing to be. It's kind, yes, you know, truthful, yes, all of those things. But nice is something that perhaps we don't really want to be there. We want to be. We want to be truthful. We want to be kind. We want to be, you know, helpful. All those types of things. And that's exactly what you've just said. And I think that is that's where we've got. You know, we've got to try and make that difference because I think so often you you're right. The nice, the nice part of us goes along to get get to get along and we end up so far away from where we are supposed to be when we do that you know that's such an important point molly nobody was ever niced into the kingdom it doesn't work that way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in fact the holy spirit and i good grief i love the presence of the holy spirit but his message is not always nice in fact jesus said he would come to convict the world of sin i gotta tell you my first encounter with the holy spirit wasn't so nice he made me uncomfortable (laughs) he he did not tell me what a lovely person i am 
<laughs> yeah. But if, if I had gotten the message that I'm a lovely person, I said, well, then I would have thought, well, then who needs this born again stuff? I'm already great. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when, um, you, one of the things you say is, if you breathe, you believe. What do you, what do you mean? If you breathe, you believe. What do you mean by that? It is impossible to be honest with ourselves and to be authentic with others if we are not acknowledging what we believe. If we breathe, we believe. Um, people are are today basically being indoctrinated to think if you share your belief and somebody is not in agreement with it, you have hurt them. Therefore, you must not share your beliefs. You must not be so into your beliefs. My point is God did not wire us to not express our beliefs. That's right. Uh, and, and so it is unreasonable to ask me not to express what I believe. Now, it is reasonable to ask me to express it respectfully. It's reasonable to ask me not to be a jerk about it. Of course it is. Yeah. And, and to have some wisdom in knowing the time and place. But it is, uh, it's not healthy to be forever pretending you don't believe what you believe in the face of so much that contradicts what you believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as you go, as you're saying that, I mean, it brings me to the next question here. Um, when my children were growing up, or now grown up and married, and and I have beautiful grandchildren as a result of all the, you know, the, the, all that yeah. beautiful stuff that's happened. But when they were growing up, um, there was this huge, huge push for tolerance. They were constantly being told in their classrooms and the universities, you've got to be tolerant, you've got to be tolerant, you've got to be tolerant. And I remember having an argument with my son saying, tolerance does not mean to say that you roll over and play dead. Uh-huh. Tolerance is, you know, don't get angry about what you believe in, but don't don't roll over and play dead. dead. That's not what tolerance is about. But this whole idea of tolerance Tolerating what? You know, I, I used to always mm-hmm. ask that. So when you say that, um, how do you, you know, this, are there other issues that we should be dealing with? This, that, I mean, the tolerance and, 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 you know, diversity, all that kind of stuff's gone out the window. I mean, it's pretty well gone. Yeah, you don't, they're not even asking. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the, what is, what are the primary issues today? Well, it's gone. Yeah, it's about redefinition, Molly. And yeah, even with the word yeah. tolerance, that's what the movement has been: is let's redefine words, impose the redefinition, and intimidate everybody. So, for example, you've got to be tolerant. Well, you know, Molly, all of us all along were all for tolerance. We were, um, but they defined tolerance as no tolerance means you don't say what you think if it offends someone. Oh, okay, I'll be tolerant. Then let's all shut up. Now they didn't apply that rule to themselves, of course. Of course not. And now that they've gotten such a foothold in the culture that they, meaning the, the theological political left, now they're basically saying, don't be tolerant. We don't tolerate your damaging views. So now the revision word, I believe, is hate. You hate us yeah. if you disapprove. You yep. hate us if you disagree. And it's a totally unreasonable standard that they're trying to impose on us by basically saying, if you disapprove or disagree, you hate. Nobody approves of everything about anybody. Mm -hmm. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. You can't have a relationship with anybody Mm -hmm. and not disapprove of something about them or disagree with them on some point. It certainly doesn't mean you hate them. So I think what we have to do is be a little bolder in challenging the misusage of words that's being imposed on us. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting and sort of going on with that point now, and I wanted to ask you a bunch more questions, but one of the things I was just talking with my husband last night and, and he, he told me that there's a, he just read a, a couple of days back that the uh, World Economic Forum has suggesting that we use AI to rewrite the Bible so that it can be politically, so it can be woke and so that it won't be offensive to people. I mean, that's the ultimate, ultimate you know, censorship. If you are, if you, if you, if you're asking, you know, the ultimate censorship is that we will take out any word that I think is offensive, and therefore yeah. we end up with nothing. That's so dangerous. Oh my gosh! It's I, and I don't want to be seeing Satan in every corner. But Molly, Satan hates the word, and Satan is obsessed with the word. Yep. He started perverting the word of God from the very beginning in the garden. He tried it again on Jesus, and he will not rest until he has convinced us to allow the word of God to be revised in a more worldly, friendly way. I think that, above everything, is the ultimate goal. Now, I don't think everybody who wants to do this is possessed by Satan. No, but it's not, yeah. That, that the people of the world, their minds are blinded. Um, I think that they don't realize it, but this is walking according to the course that he has put in place. And if I was if I was in the world and I was hostile to the tenets of the Christian faith, I would be going for the Bible above all else because one thing they know is that serious believers will not be swayed by what the cultural influencers are, are saying. We will be swayed by the Word of God. So the only way to sway us to their side would be to somehow convince us that the Word of God says what they want it to say. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me that they would want AI rewriting the Bible, but this to me is like, you know, sort of end times blasphemy going into the holiest place and doing unclean things. Absolutely, absolutely. We are talking to Joe Dallas, who has written a book called Christians in a Cancel Culture. As you can hear, please order the book. You can go to joedallas.com, J-O-E-D-A-L-L-A-S.com, and you can order it there, or you can go on Amazon and order it there. It's excellent. We should all understand, and Joe lays this out in a way that helps us to understand what it is that we're facing. How do we know what we're facing? First of all, we have to know what we're facing, and then we need to know how to respond to that without, as he says, without raving, and what was the other one that you used? I loved it. Rave and? Caving. Raving or caving, love it. I'm going to write that down and put it above my my computer desk. <laughs> so, I love it. Rave or without raving or caving, and that's so true. And and you know, and when you speak gently and you and you do it gently, you probably will be con- uh, accused of raving because they don't like anything that you say. I don't know whether you recently saw this, Joe, which just shows you how far we've come. A, a woman that was standing outside of an uh, abortion uh, facility, abortion. Abortuary. I don't. I don't. It's certainly not a clinic. Right. Um, but right. anyway, she was standing there in Canada and just standing. She she was a she was a prayer warrior outside there, and she'd been warned. So she was just standing there praying silently, and the police arrested her for praying yeah. silently. So she wasn't yeah. even allowed to. They said, "What are you doing?" And she said, "I'm just standing here." They said, "What do you you know? Why are you standing?" Well, I'm just standing here. She said, "They said, are you are you praying?" And she said, "Yes, I am praying silently." Sorry, you're not allowed to do that. Let's take you away. I mean, this is this is how we, this is where we go when we refuse to stand for, for the truth. When we you know, I think this is you know constantly trying to be nice. So do not be nice, guys. Do not be nice. 
<laughs> so anyway, the next Look where it got us. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you refer to a cancel culture as a virus. How? Why? I mean, a virus is a very um, sort of um, aggressive thing. Tell us how how you've used that analogy. A virus is not only aggressive, but it is spread from person to person. And uh, the more it grows, the more people become accustomed to it. Uh, We are talking about things today, Molly, that would have shocked the daylights out of believers 20 years ago. But today they are business as usual. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the, the end result of a virus. I remember when I was part of the gay community back in the late 70s, early 80s, why, uh, as an activist, we were very aware of the AIDS virus, though it didn't have a name at that time. Mm-hmm. But the more the virus spread, the more it lost its shock value. Um, COVID kind of lost its shock value after a while. It was just, oh, yeah, another COVID case. And I think that with cancel culture, the virus has spread in that it infects people. It causes them to believe that either this is the kind thing to do, say what the woke movement wants us to say, call a man a woman if he wants to be called a woman, call a same-sex relationship a legitimized marriage, say that God is good with all of this because that's what people want to hear. It either convinces us to appease people by being, quote-unquote, nice to them, as you say, or it convinces us that there will be such hell to pay if we speak the truth, we better shut up, otherwise we're going to lose our tax-exempt status, our career, our, well, in in the case you just named, even our freedom if you silently pray in front of an abortuary. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what I mean when I say the virus is spreading to the point that many of the people infected don't even know they have a virus. Mm -hmm. They have just adopted the lingo of the world. And that's kind of the end game as well. Instead of the world, uh, the church being the light of the world, the world more and more is becoming the light of the church. And the darkness, the, church, the darkness and of the church. telling the church, yes. Yeah. And telling us what we may or may not say. Mm-hmm. And um, this, of, of course, is an abdication of our role, isn't it? A very primary role we have is the light of the world. Absolutely. Well said. That's exactly right. We That we are called, I mean, as Christians, we, we do not have, we do, do not have the ability the right to stay silent. We have to, in some ways, speak up mm-hmm. and do what we need to do. So, you, in your final chapter, you talk about how Christians may soon pay a high price for sound doctrine. What, what do you think this is going to look like? I think it will all be very civilized. I, I don't see us all being carted off to concentration camps. Not this week, anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> Not I, at this point. Yeah. yeah. But I think what, what's happening is the world is being indoctrinated to believe that our message is dangerous. And therefore, in the interest of public safety, we need to be silenced. The police who arrested that woman praying in front of the abortion clinic... They were certainly not saying, we hate pro-lifers, we're carting you away. This was more like, you're doing psychological damage to women who are receiving health services. We can't allow that. We're going to take you away. So as the culture is indoctrinated to believe that it is hateful and damaging to express our views, the culture will be okay with us losing, as churches, our tax exempt status, citizens being um, arrested, for taking public positions that are now considered to be um, against the interest of public safety. And as you may know, in California, our uh, state assembly is now considering a bill that will legally, um, well, it will technically make it child abuse if you will not affirm your child's decision 
to transition. So if you've got a little boy who says, mom, dad, I'm a girl, and you say, no, you're not, you're a boy, and you are not going to dress like a girl, and you're not going to take hormones to look like a girl, that that could be reported as child abuse and the kid is removed from your home. Mm-hmm. So there is a terrible price that we're going to be paying. It's all going to seem very civilized, but it's actually, it's, it's what I would call civilized evil. And we will have to accept the fact that it exists and we will have to take a stand against it. One of my favorite lines from Corey Ten Boom's great autobiography, The Hiding Place, where she talked about being in Holland during the early days of the Nazi occupation, she said, um, we realized we could not abandon the work that we do in, in sheltering Jewish refugees, really. She said, this was evil's hour. We could not run from it. Oh, wow. Only perhaps when human power had done its best and failed would God's power alone be free to work. Oh. Goodness, what and that may very well be where we are. Yeah, absolutely, right absolutely. That that's another beautiful book. People should read the Hiding Places. It's amazing and so relevant today. Absolutely, all the you know the good ones always come right back around again. Joe they Joe Dallas be. has a, a wonderful counseling service. He has a blog. He's able to to really help us all as we go through this. So please go to his website, joedallas.com, again, and get the book. Get the book. It's amazing. It's an amazing book. Please do. Please get it. And, and Joe, we've got to get you to Cleveland to come and talk to all of us. So we'd, we'd love to get you It here. would be a pleasure anytime. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. God bless you lots. Thank you, Molly. God bless. God bless. Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world-class, inspiring guest. <laughs> 